If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Just before we get started on this week's episode, I just wanted to tell you about some of our training that relates to this week's episode. Um, We've got a webinar package which is called Understanding Language and Communication in the Early Years, um, well worth looking into. Um, There are three three sessions in this package. Um, They're available as online sessions. and also can be watched live or as recording. So you can, you can kind of be quite flexible in terms of how you access them. Okay, so well worth looking into that. If you, um, if you want to know more information, there's more information on the Early Excellence website. Also on the Early Excellence website, um, there are other resources as well that I think will really help you. Um, so it's well worth looking at, for example, our continuous provision planning guides. Um, If you go to the ideas and inspiration section of the Early Excellence website, there are some free examples for you to be able to have a look at and to get that idea of what we're talking about when we mean really effective continuous provision planning. Okay, so if you go to the ideas and inspiration section, there's a section on continuous provision planning, um, so plans and audits. There's also our continuous provision guide, which is available to purchase as well. Okay, so well worth looking into that as well, just on www.earlyexcellence.com. Hello everybody, I hope you're well. Um, Andy here with episode 22 of the Early Excellence Podcast. Um, In this episode, we're gonna tackle a really hot topic at the moment, um, which of course is talk. Talk is a big thing at the minute. Um, The new EYFS framework has a real focus on the importance of talk, and that's definitely got lots of teachers and practitioners really thinking about how this fits into their practice. So we're going to really think about that. Now, as, as teachers and practitioners, we've always known, of course, I think, about the impact that talk can have on young children. You know, it's easy to spot, isn't it, that the children in our class who have had an adult at home who's taken time to engage in conversations and those back and forth exchanges with them from a young age, you can see those children and the impact it, that it's had on them. We know that talk is important, of course, but then providing opportunities to talk can be quite a challenge. You know, when timetables are busy, talk is often one of the first things to be lost. We also have to consider, I think, a wide range of other things too. Uh, you know, is our environment planned to nurture and, in- and encourage talk? Do our staff, team, offer a consistent approach to supporting children's speech and language? Well, in this week's recorded piece, we're going to explore how to, how to put talk very much at the heart of your practice, thinking about all of the different considerations, all of the things that really ought to be in place if we're going to make sure that talk is really valued as a key part of our practice. There's a quote by James Britton quite a famous quote, that is, reading and writing float on a sea of talk. 
And this, of course, is very true. Reading and writing skills are absolutely underpinned by children's speech and language development, their understanding of the words in the English language, how they use those words, what those words mean. But the benefits of talk go way beyond literacy. Key research projects such as the Snowling Review in 2011 have highlighted that the acquisition of language is a crucial element in learning more generally. And it's also a key predictor of later educational achievement too. Reports such as the Snowling Review and other reports too have also pointed to the importance of the adult role in modeling the use of carefully chosen words and phrases in supporting language development. It's this research into the importance of modeling and supporting communication skills through talk that have both informed and influenced the current EYFS guidance materials. Both the educational programs and the early learning goals have a clear emphasis on back and forth exchanges. The introduction of new vocabulary and the use of books to support language development. What's crucial here is that whilst speech, language and communication skills have been long been identified as, a, as key to developing literacy skills, the EYFS framework is very clear in highlighting the importance of talk in underpinning very much the wider learning process. So whilst Britain talks of reading and writing floating on a sea of talk, the EYFS framework states that the development of children's spoken language underpins all seven areas of learning and development. Children's back and forth interactions from an early age form the foundations for language and cognitive development, it goes on to say. And the number and quality of the conversations they have with adults and peers throughout the day in a language-rich environment is crucial. Yet practice, classroom practice, doesn't always reflect how much talk is valued. Showing that we do or don't value talk hinges on how we use our time within the classroom. Both taking turns in conversation and engaging, engaging in sustained shared thinking really requires adults who are prepared and able to invest quality time each day in building positive relationships. For this to happen, adult time really needs to be used carefully and we need to be very aware that teaching doesn't just happen on the carpet or at the group table, but that actually we're engaging in teaching as we're having those conversations in a variety of contexts. So what might this look like? Well, effective communication is built on close, strong relationships. These relationships nurture a sense of value and security in young children and also help to build the high levels of well-being that are vital to the learning process. Building strong relationships from an early point in the school year is vital. Spending time alongside children within areas of provision in order to model how materials can be used, to introduce key vocabulary, and also to help children make connections with prior experiences. All of that 
is time well spent. It will provide children with a rich context for learning. In order to support children effectively, staff will need to use language and vocabulary consistently and appropriately. A crucial element of continuous provision planning is to identify the names and the key vocabulary that is linked to the resources in each area of your provision. So, let's consider this. Do the staff in your school or your setting use the names of the resources that you have consistently and appropriately? Do all of the staff know the key vocabulary that is linked to each of the resources within your classroom or your environment? Lots to think about. Let's move on to thinking about that, that language-rich environment because that's a phrase that is being used more and more, I tend to find. A language-rich environment, but what do we mean by that? Well, a language-rich environment, of course, focusing on the importance of language isn't new. In 2012, the EYFS guidance highlighted the importance of a language-rich environment so that children could develop their confidence and skills in expressing themselves and to speak and listen in a variety of situations. Yet what is meant by a language-rich environment can cause issues. There's a key difference between a print-rich environment and one which is rich in language. Settings which focus purely on displaying vast numbers of key words on a range of surfaces have often missed the point. Acquiring new words and their correct context is linked to the meaningful experience of talk. Key words laminated on labels above the water area are really no substitute for effective adult engagement or adult interaction linked to the rich sensory experiences and the investigations that children will be having in the water area. Which I think raises a question, doesn't it? If your classroom environment, the sand area, the water area, the blocks area, the dough area, if all of those different areas and others too provide rich opportunities for language development and that our adults are able to use those opportunities, then a key question has got to be when it comes to language interventions, when it comes to interventions to support our children with speech and language, a key question has got to be where do they happen? Do they happen within the familiar context of your learning environment or, or are children taken out of that familiar space in order for them to develop speech and language opportunities? Because to me, it seems to make sense that if the children feel more comfortable and more secure within your learning environment, then actually, are we able to use that as an effective resource? Are we able to use the materials and resources and opportunities to extend their speech and language? What else? Well, let's, ha let's have a think about effective interactions. Interacting effectively with children requires real skill, sensitivity and awareness. Children will be very quick to move away from adults if they feel that their own purpose 
has been interrupted or sidelined by the adults working alongside them. Adults will need to be aware of the importance of giving children their full attention. So getting down to the children's height and displaying open, trusting body language is really important. Shared moments that happen in this context provide a rich opportunity for teaching and learning. And they also provide the adults with rich knowledge of the children and how they go about learning. Getting the right balance of written and recorded observations alongside effective interactions here is crucial. Adults whose main concern is the gathering of written observations and photographs will often miss vital opportunities to engage in valuable talk with children about their learning and what they understand. The irony, I think, here is that vast amounts of recorded information can often indicate not really a great level of understanding of children's development. That really, if you want to find out more about the children from adults in a setting, it tends to be the adults who've been talking with the children about what they've been doing and what they know. It tends to be those adults who know more about the children, not the ones who've been busy with the iPad and the clipboard trying to record everything. Certainly something interesting to think about, that balance between recording information and engaging in effective interactions. Let's move on to thinking about sustained shared thinking, because that's a, a term that certainly has been used a lot over the last 10 years, and I think is increasingly important. So when we think about sustained shared thinking, early years classrooms and outdoor areas are busy places, and we can't be everywhere at once. If we're going to prioritise talk and create a truly language-rich environment, then we need to allow time for talk in a variety of contexts. The high-scope structure of plan, do and review gives children the daily opportunity to talk through their ideas and actions and provides staff with meaningful opportunities to engage in conversations with the children. Of course, this requires an investment of time. Time to talk, time to make plans, time to consider ideas, and also time to share how things went and what we might do differently. Crucially, it's often through these periods of sustained shared thinking that children will ask questions that adults don't know the answers to. In terms of learning, these moments are like gold dust, a great leveling moment where adults and children are at the same point, wondering, thinking, questioning, and exploring. This is talk and language at the heart of the learning process. As Julie Fisher puts it, in order to capitalize on the power of language to influence both thought and action, Classroom experiences must encourage talk as a key process through which young children learn. Okay, so some key questions then to consider as we think about talk as part of our practice. 
To begin with, does your timetable reflect the importance of talk as a valuable part of the learning process? Do we make sure that there are opportunities to talk things through, to talk about thinking, to ask questions, to wonder together, to engage in that process of sustained shared thinking that we mentioned just before? So your timetable and your use of time, that's certainly a crucial starting point. What else? Are staff within your team skilled in interacting with children in a variety of contexts? How do they feel about that process of talking with the children? Those, those unplanned moments of talking with children. It's not always easy. It takes real skill, of course. It takes a, re a relationship also, that building up of a relationship between the adults and children, really for it to work. That if we haven't got that relationship, often the conversation breaks down. That children will move away because they're not, not really confident that we are around where they are. So we've got to build a relationship and we also have to really think about what words we're using, what language we're using, how we're tuning into the children's needs, their development, how we're making sure that we're challenging their thinking as well through using language. So there's lots to consider there and it takes real skill. Another key question to consider then alongside that is around your senior leadership team. When you think about the leadership team of the school, do your, do your senior leadership team recognize the importance of talk as a key part of the teaching and the learning process? The reason that I ask this is that sometimes talk is seen negatively as something that slows down the pace of teaching or slows down the pace of a lesson. And yet, as you can see through the, the things that I've shared with you in, in relation to the EYFS framework and also the research as well from Julie Fisher and the Snowling Review as well, actually talk is crucial. So if you haven't already, what I'd recommend that you do is that you share the key messages from the EYFS framework in relation to talk with the rest of your staff team and particularly with the, with the senior leadership team as well. What else? What about your learning environment? Does your continuous provision planning identify opportunities within areas of provision for adults to model vocabulary consistently? Ideally, what you should have are provision areas that are, that are organized effective, effectively with materials and resources for the children to access, but those resources and materials need to be carefully planned for. So a continuous provision plan showing on that plan what resources are there, why they are there, but also crucially what the role of the adult is. What questions will adults be asking? What words will we be using? what terminology, what vocabulary, all of those key things that I think will help in building staff confidence in talking with, with children within areas of provision. And finally, in your school or your setting, what does the recording process look like? 
So when we're talking about observational assessment, how much is recorded? Is the recording process a barrier to, the, to effective interaction with children? If we have an iPad or a clipboard, is it getting in the way of your interactions, staff interactions with children? That, of course, is an important consideration because if speech and language skills and talk as a whole underpins learning across all seven areas of learning, then it really isn't right if our observational assessment processes are getting in the way of that learning process. That doesn't make any sense. So certainly something to think through. Okay, so thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it interesting and it's got you thinking. If you haven't already, it's well worth sharing the Early Excellence podcast episodes with the rest of your Early Years team. They tend to be, I hear from lots of people who use them with their team as a starting point of a staff meeting or as a starting point to discuss ideas in relation to their own practice. So if you haven't done that already, certainly well worth doing. If following on from the conversations and the discussions or from listening to the podcast, if you've got any queries or questions, then do feel free to get in touch. My email address is andy at earlyexcellence.com andy at earlyexcellence.com do feel free to drop me an email with any questions or queries or if you want to find out about support for you in your school or your setting um, in relation to the environment or in relation to adult interactions and engagement or if you want to find out more about training that we offer okay right everybody have a good week and we'll see you next week mm-hmm.